Podcast angst now has a body count. Well, not quite, but sometimes we come close. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other teenage rebels as masterpieces. I'm Nick and I'm joined as ever by the very Roger. You know, that's exactly the thing I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are in our final episode of the 80s. Well, final for the time being. Yeah. In, in, in the main chronological regression of what we do when we get to the present day, we, we haven't decided yet because we, we have another year to think about that. We'll see how old and tired we're feeling at that point. But yeah. it seemed fitting to end the 80s on a deeply cynical, black-hearted note um, with 1989's uh, Michael Lerman's The uh, Heathers. Um Another, we're returning to American High School after, um, I always want to say breakfast at Tiffany's, don't know why, the <laughs> Breakfast Club. Um, we are back again in American High Schools um, for, our, yeah, our final episode of the, eight, uh, of the 80s. Now, Heather's is um, a deeply, <laughs> deeply cynical um, black comedy. Um, yeah, a lot of things get called black comedy. I think this is uh, legitimately... Yes, I was musing that as I said it, that sometimes you say black comedy and you feel like, oh, does that mean it's just not an especially funny comedy? <laughs> but here I think it really is uh, a film that draws comedy out of situations which you wouldn't normally draw comedy out of. Um, and well, we'll see how we felt about it. Um, so Heather's is the story of um, Veronica, who is... Um, in the most popular clique in her American high school, um, which seems to be largely a clique of, of being incredibly horrible to people and wearing extreme 80s fashion. Um, <laughs> tired of this clique, she fantasizes about killing them, which is where JD comes in. The um, uh, Sorry, the Winona Ryder is playing Veronica. We have Christian Slater as JD doing his best kind of Jack Nicholson impression as far as I can mm. see. Um, and he uh, leads her into killing, um, well, and, and framing them as suicides, multiple people throughout the school. Um, and, spoilers, ends attempting to blow the entire school up. It turns out sometimes your teenage rebel heroes are just psychopaths, um, which is the way Heathers tends to take it. Um, all right, Roger, how did you feel about Heathers? Well... I, I think this is a bit of a flip from the way we usually feel because this is a film I have liked a very great deal for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, I always say I don't do top tens, but this is, this is a film that when it gets mentioned, I think of kindly. Um, I was entirely happy to watch it again for this. And yes, so whereas I had I hadn't encountered Heather's on my travels through the eighties, but um, it occur I, it became clear to me sometime in the nineties or the early noughties. That uh, that everyone else thought it was great, and I had somehow missed it. So I bought it on DVD, which may age me <laughs> a little bit. I bought it on DVD some time ago, like ten, fifteen years ago, um, 
And I suppose at watching it, I was I, maybe it had been overhyped. I was a little perplexed at the the height of um, feeling for it. I think I enjoyed it more this time, but not quite uh, as much as you. But we'll discuss <laughs> why perhaps uh, later. I mean, it's it. It really is. I I think it is worth comparing it to. The Breakfast Club and other John Hughes films, because it, it to me it feels like a direct reaction to them and against them. In the way that some of other films we've we've had our reactions to others, but this feels like a uh, fuck you to to John Hughes <laughs> to me. Yeah, and Daniel Waters um, certainly seem, seems to have been thinking that way. He originally wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct this. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, he, yeah, he, he wrote he wrote the entire script on spec. And then started shopping it around. Right. Uh, and he, he felt, yeah, the, the cafeteria scene is meant to be a direct homage to, uh, the Barrack stuff in Full Metal Jacket, which, gotta say, I don't really see, but yeah. Um, mm. and yeah, so that, that didn't happen. And, and eventually he, he was introduced to Michael Lehman at that point, not a successful, well, not a director at all. Uh, a sad aside, I should point out that Waters felt Kubrick at that time was the only director who could get away with a film that was longer than three hours. Mm-hmm. If only that was still the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's that's the thing. It, it's first time screenwriter, first time director. Yes, and I I think as you say, a very deliberate reaction against the ethos portrayed by your John Waters and imitators. Yes, yeah, it was, um, well, so this film, I, I say it's deeply cynical, it's a black comedy. Now that doesn't, yeah, when I say black comedy, you often feel that that's like, oh, um, I, it, it's kind of a, a, an overused term for comedies that don't quite work, or, for, for instance. Some, something other than, I'm telling a joke, ha ha ha. Yes, exactly. Now my preferred proponents of black comedy would be, the Coen brothers, uh, in that they really don't push the joke. They just preempt the situation, but just sort of slist it into a slightly humorous event, which is my preferred um, consuming of black comedy. Mm-hmm. This is not... I mean, this is a film that's full of jokes and one line. <sighs> not direct, it's not like The Naked Gun, but it's full of quotable lines um, like my teen angst has, now has a body count which is a great line <laughs> I must admit um, uh, and it is, it's kind of a more overtly comic or it feels that way to me and I suppose one of my reactions to the film is I just feel and this is a personal taste it's slightly too overtly comic um, it just pushes mm-hmm. the boundary slightly too much for me But and I suppose that comes home uh, in the scenes with uh, the PTA meeting um, and the, the put-upon headmaster who's, you know, describing his other teachers as, um, uh, let me know when the spaceship lands. It just, it is a, uh, for me, it's just slightly too on the nose and not quite as funny as I would like it to be if it was that overtly humorous, mm. or that overtly comic. So it, it it's I find it slightly uh, unsettling watching in that sense. I don't I don't know quite where I'm where I'm coming with that, but I just it doesn't the the tone doesn't doesn't quite work for me. Fair enough. 
like... I, I felt I had a t- tough time, particularly at the beginning of this, because you know, I, I'm a lot more sensitive to the whole comedy of embarrassment and punching down than I used to be. Yeah, and yeah, up, up to well, about the point of the the, the party. Yeah, you know, first twenty, oh, right. first twenty yes. minutes or so. Yes. Yeah, I also know a whole lot more about American college rape than I did when I first saw this, which I think was sometime in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I think we all do. But after that point, for me, it just took off and worked. So, what is it that um, takes off and works for you in the in the in your work? Um, I'm just trying to work out where it really deviates from. The Breakfast Club. And I think The Breakfast Club is essentially saying the, these other people you're stuck with are basically, they've got their own problems too, and you've got to learn to you know, accept them, they will, they accept you and so on. Whereas this is... Yeah. is We're it's, all kind of it's offering human that. and decent. It appears yeah. to be offering that, but yeah. you know, the adults are useless, and the popular girls' clique is useless, and JD himself is is... Yeah, what Heather has yes, to do in terms of, to, be, yeah. to, to use the cliche of self-actualization, she has to do it herself. Yes. And that, yeah, is, that, yeah. that is the thing that I love. Yes, we do have um, a, I mean, uh, actually, it's only just occurred to me, this is a film which um, passes the Bechdel test with flying colours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, it doesn't quite feel like that, though, because the the female characters are portrayed as kind of, or the ones that are chatting with each other quite often are portrayed as very kind of stereotypical queen bitches. I suppose, and I don't. The, know, the, I the, think... And a lot of the time, they're talking about relationships and men and so on. Yes, even if they're not actually directly talking about men, it, it, it doesn't. It feels like. Uh, well, it's the things that um, Veronica is railing about in the film. It's all kind of superficialities, and um, you know, she talks about turning her brain towards. Yeah, her because she she's aware that she's no uh, idiot, um, but she, you know she spends it just deciding what fashions to wear. Mm. Um, it's also interesting that the standard high school film with this sort of setting would would show her as trying to get into the top clique. Yes, rather than already sort of Whereas starting. Whereas she's it. she's in it. She's done whatever it took to get there. Yeah, and she's realizing now where she's got to. Yes, that is nicely implied that you you, she, you can tell she's not quite a natural fit for it, but she's forced herself to conform in a way that, you know, by the end of the John Hughes films, you know, we have at, at the end of The Breakfast Club, we had oh, Ali Sheedy's yeah. dreadful transformation. <laughs> from, um, and it feels like Veronica's been through that to mm. get to where she is and then realises it's not that great at the top. I think that's a really good point. As you say, no one really comes out of this well. Other than Veronica, in a way, yeah, yeah. The, the the cliques are awful, the adults are awful, JD turns out to be the most awful of them all in the end. Um, yeah, I, I would like to point off a, a bit of her acting. And she, she, Winona Ryder was uh, 16-ish when they were filming this. Goodness. And the thing that really struck me was, her. it's not any particular expression she makes, but just overall, over the course of the film, she gradually goes from you know, fairly thoughtless teenager to I am an adult who has had to think about stuff just in terms of the expressions. As as she gets yes. more ragged, she's getting more I am taking control of my own life. And well, cons- particularly considering how much this thing like gets shot out of order. I I'm really very impressed with that purely as a as a bit of physical acting. 
I think that, yeah, and I agree that um, she's helped in that transformation by, you know, she undergoes quite a physical transformation in her appearance, you know, from the start mm. being this. Um, and it doesn't, it's not like an instant thing. It, it's a slow, you know, her clothes get darker. She gets less mm, ultra fashion. I mean, the fashions at the beginning are, are really something to see. It makes it feel <laughs> like one of the greatest, greatest 80s films of all time. Um, but I like the way that she transforms from this fashion uh, beast um, into slowly transitioning to more uh, kind of darker wear until by the end of it, yeah, she looks like she's just been at the end of one of our Vietnamathon movies. Well, she would have something to say to Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, Veronica is, is a great character. I agree. And JD, I love. I. I. What I. I mean, I. I really. I, I suppose I've been um, dancing around the the kind of. Um, the genre thing because it makes me a little uncomfortable what i do really appreciate about this film is that it it sort of undercuts a lot of expectations it undercuts the cool rebel expectations it undercuts even what genre you think you're watching you don't you mm. don't know quite who you're supposed to be rooting for or um where it's because it is it really does feel like on on its own in in quite where it's going. Um, you know, it, it's got a Bonnie and Clyde esque vibe to mm, it, and that's certainly um, what JD's narrative is. Yes, yeah, um, but it does it. I, I mean, it makes it has this cool, unconventional hero that ends up, yeah, not being quite what you expected. But whereas Bonnie and Clyde, it never really it touches on the fact that they were, you know, anti heroes, but it still keeps them cool characters right till the end mm. this film kind of delights in making jd really pretty awful by the end of the film to the point where you're, you're rooting for veronica still making him look cool but undercutting all of that and i really like the way the film does that it does it in a way that subverts expectations enough that it leaves me a bit um lost i suppose and i i really appreciate the film for doing that well um, yeah an another thing is yeah jd's look of yeah, you you can read that as I am the cool rebel, or you can read that as I am a widow, and it's a bit of both, and that works. Yes, um, and... I, I, I'm not I'm not all that familiar with Christian Slater's other work. I mean, I'm I'm sure I've seen him in this thing or that, but you know, he's not particularly a guy I look for or recognise. But the the way he get he gets that here, whether that's yeah. natural talent or whether he uh, you know actually has acting skill, I don't know, <laughs> but it works. Well, it it works for me because he, although he is this kind of cool loner, he's obviously you can you can absolutely see why Veronica's attracted to him and mm. in his performance, but also he's got a slightly creepy side to him, um, which comes across in the opening and feels a bit disconcerting, and you're not sure quite what the film's going to do with that and what the film is kind of fully embraced then to know this guy is um, just as much a product of toxic man masculinity as, as the jocks we see you mm. know he, you, you see his father and quite what a relationship they have um so I, I love all the different aspects that this film touches on i think it does it really well it undercuts a lot and i can see why it's greatly loved um yeah, yeah. It, it it seemed to me that jd's thing is actually very like hans gruber's thing in in die hard that he knows exactly how the authorities will react. Yes. Uh, yes, that's And therefore true. he can plan the thing with that in mind. And the authorities, yeah, yes, it, it's uh, exaggeration, but, you know, it 
it's very effective to say, yes, they just are completely useless. They, they, you know, they, they will say, oh, it's a suicide pact. We have read about this in our very serious magazines. We know, we know exactly yes. how to wring our hands and what to say in this situation. And, and even the students, you know, Westerberg finally got one of these things. I'm not going to blow it. <laughs> yes, exactly. yes. And the cops in there are basically over comedy characters um, mm. when they find the, the suicide pact. I mean, that is something it shares with um, John Hughes' work. You know, in John Hughes' work, that the, the adults generally don't understand the, the teenagers and they've got their own problems and they're usually idiots, um, which is the case here. It's just in Heather's. Pretty much everyone's an idiot and doesn't understand anyone mm. else. But, um, but also, they are much, all much more interested in being seen to be doing the right thing in this tragic yes. situation than in actually trying to solve a problem. Yes, absolutely. Even the the uh, the teacher who's in touch with her emotions is clearly doing it from uh, an emotional playbook that she's read and doesn't really have any kind of interest or investment. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose, to me, ultimately. Where it doesn't quite connect with me is that the characters are all very ready with their quips and their one-liners and their jokes. Um, you're you're a man the, who's watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, I was going to—you took the words out of my mouth because this is to a Joss Whedon-esque level of. Um, but uh, and thankfully, we're not talking about Joss Whedon. Here. <laughs> but where Joss Whedon works for me is that he. He also gives room for pathos um, and emotions and character development in a way that I found the quips and the jokes here got in the way of. In that I, I, um, I don't find the characters believable. Now, you know, that that wasn't the case for me. I'm not going to argue with with your interpretation of it, but it's certainly not a feeling I got. Well, that's it. This is it. I'm trying to get to the bottom of why it doesn't quite work for me. Is um. I, I don't really believe the characters. They feel like joke machines to me, even Veronica. Because um, they just don't... Whenever a character doesn't quite react in a situation that I would, it takes it out of me. Mm. Um, it, it takes me out of it, I should say. And I feel, although they touch on the right sort of... And, and you know, Veronica's reaction to JD when she kills her best friend... You know, straight away, there's a quip there. There's like, um, uh, I just killed my best friend and your worst enemy. Same difference. I, to me, I don't know. And I do appreciate the cynical nature of it that everything is, is ripe for these kind of quips and jokes, but mm. they just doesn't, I feel even the, the Mr. Whedon himself, he would use that moment for emotion rather than for humour. I, I did feel, and I think this is, this may be where we come closest on this, that the whole thing is deliberately a bit dreamlike. Yes. And it's gradually ramping that up until we get the explicit dream sequence towards the end. Yes, which uh, if she goes on for long enough, to the point when it finishes, you're not quite sure how much of it was a dream until you see the Heather that died in it is mm. still alive. Um, yeah, but I liked it. I mean, I, I do like the film. It just doesn't quite connect to me. On an yeah. emotional level, because of these characters. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I won't harp on about it, but but ultimately that's why it doesn't doesn't quite move me emotionally. But I really do respect and enjoy what it's trying to do in the subversion 
uh, in a in a way, I feel like I'm a bit of a stranger in a strange land with this film. As we've talked about before with um, The Breakfast Club, already, you know, you, you said it's like a slight dreamlike uh, quality. Already, American High School is a fantasy land to me. <laughs> it, it, bears, it bears very little relationship to an, an English comprehensive school that I... That I All right, in. we should have got Marianne back. <laughs> <laughs> um and so what it's subverting is my other cinematic expectations of it rather than my own experience. Mm. Um, Which, of course, is, de- is deliberate. Yeah. But, but that's, that's coming from a slightly different place from presumably if, if you'd grown up in, you know, a high school that looked not entirely unlike that. And they, 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 all right, a lot of them are filmed in and around Los Angeles, which is why they all look similar. But I think institution and architecture is kind of the same uh, wherever yes, you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if if it had that familiarity, that that would produce a different emotional thing when when things start to get subverted. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, program. I mean, I suppose that the programs that are closest to my school experience would be things like Grange Hill, um, which is a TV show that's long long dead now. Um, it's just the character the. the characters never swore in that which was certainly contrary to my school experience <laughs> well, of course not like, it was on at tea time well yeah fair enough so they had drug use but there we go um yeah so it i they I, had issues but I'll, I'll come back to that specific thing when we talk okay. about talk about the uh, stars <laughs> uh yeah the the thing that did actually throw me completely and i don't i don't know how audiences reacted to this at the time i haven't found people talking about it uh, in contemporaneous reviews, is the score, which is an electronic score by David Newman, who's mostly a film composer. Yes, and my, is especially during the, the when the um, during the chase through the woods, we got two separate chases in fairly quick succession with different bits uh, of music with yes. them, and yes. that just leapt out at me as okay. So you you couldn't afford Tangerine Dream, but you got a guy who who swears he's <laughs> listened to a lot of Tangerine Dream albums. Yes. Yeah, I agree. The score was intrusive and didn't didn't quite match. I didn't know if that was a deliberate subversion again of like eighties pop. I mean, I'm but I'm it, I'm not generally thrown by eighties scores in films, but that particular one did did a bit leap out at me. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, it didn't quite match the the action. Um, should we talk about the the characters then in it? I mean, Prince, we've got two main characters with a, yeah. a big ensemble cast, but we have Winona Ryder. Uh, who's m- mostly known at this point for Beetlejuice. Yes. Uh, which I remember vaguely fondly, but I haven't watched it since I first saw it. Oh, I do like Beetlejuice. Uh, this was this was definitely her star-making role. Yes. Um, yeah, as, as we said, 16, which is a pretty damn impressive acting job at that age, I feel. Was she actually 16 when they were filming? When they were filming, yeah. Goodness me, that is yes. I would not have. Um, I mean, she's obviously. Uh, I, the, the, I'm bewildered by kind of seniors and, and and what kind of what kind of age people are supposed to be in American schools. The American school system is so different to us. I never mm-hmm. quite understand how old people are supposed to be. Um, but I yeah, well, al- that, al- yeah. also generally you can't get actors usually. I mean, let's see. Heather Graham was uh, was 17 that she was offered Heather Chandler, but she turned it down. Uh, Lizanne Falk, um, who is Heather McNamara, was 23 oh, yes. and lied about her age at the audition, which is more conventional. Uh, yes, yes, sounds about How I old mean, was Christian Slater then? Uh, so. uh, 
sorry, there will be a slight say, googling pause. Um, uh, twenty. Twenty, yeah. I, and again, he looks. Uh, I, I don't. Winona Ryder doesn't look dramatically younger than the rest to me. You would have thought she would. Um, she does a great acting job. I absolutely agree. Um, mm. Yeah, she's really funny. Uh, she's. Rich. I mean, she t- you, she totally fits in with the higher clique, but also you can see there's more to her than than the people there. I, yeah, she does a really great job, and and the transformation from Heather to uh, whatever the heck she is at the end, sort of pseudo action hero at the end of the film. Yeah, but yeah, also Veronica. Yes, yeah, so yeah, she's uh, yes from Heather to Veronica. That's a good way of putting it. Is uh, it's pretty seamless and and really well done. Um, and similarly, you know, Christian Slater. We talked about him, but I, I think he does a really great job of of undercutting, of, of genuinely having that kind of hardcore of of obsessive, psychotic loner, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to cool rebel. Um, and and a still making role for him too. He'd done the name of the rose before this. Uh, which oh, yes. was you know, critically yes. adored, but not all that popular. Genuinely quite different in The Name of the Rose. I don't know, was he in Young Guns after this? And then uh, quite a few other things. Um, quite a lot afterwards, yeah. Yes, uh, but, but, yeah. but this, I mean, if, if we're going to talk breakout roles, this is definitely it. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd be living proof the Hank Williams Jr. story and the legend of Billie Jean and stuff like that. But Right, yeah, yeah. which we're probably not going to cover <laughs> here. Um, and then, you know, the other roles are all... Either... Well, I would like to mention in passing Shannon Doherty, um, Heather Duke. Oh, yes. Uh, because... Now, which Heather is that? Is that, is that the second Heather? Uh, no, she, she, she is the one who gets blackmailed into signing the petition, into doing the petition thing. Okay, yes, yes. Uh, um, so she's the one that becomes the first Heather. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, yeah. And, yeah, she apparently uh, ran out of the screening because she had thought during all this that they were doing a straight drama and didn't know it was a black comedy. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, she isn't in any of the scenes where they talk about blowing up the gym, after all. No, fair enough. Um, it's and all, so, uh, okay. arguably, stole making for her. I mean, she, she'd mostly done TV up to this point, and immediately afterwards, she got into uh, Beverly Hills 90210, which I have never seen, but I'm told was very popular. <laughs> Same here. Yes, never seen it. It, it feels like a, a long. Well, I don't know. Yes, my assumption is it's like a long John Hughes <laughs> um, comedy, but I don't know. Um, Oh, right, yeah, of course. I know, I recognise the name. I didn't particularly recognise her. Yeah, but she was, was basically playing it straight, as far as she was concerned. That's interesting because they all feel all the characters are, are bordering on grotesques. You know, they're really over the top to me. All the teachers are, and again, that's where it loses me slightly. There's not a lot of subtlety um, in Heather's. It is all. Oh, granted, yeah. The, you know, the cops are keystone cops. The the principal is, you know, outwardly hates the kids. It's just, the, the fat um, girl is the fat girl. Yeah, exactly. The, the, and there's there's not a lot of... Um, the jokes are... We're not quite Good Morning Vietnam levels of unsubtleness, but the jokes are all that feel a little obvious and not quite as funny as I would like them to be. Whereas, you know, Joss Whedon... I'll compare it to it again. Joss Whedon genuinely does... Uh, make me laugh. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, but he but he catches more pathos. But I'll stop moaning about that. Uh, the, the other uh, thing is, of course, this this is made in 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 the era when somebody bringing a gun to school was a joke. Yeah, or at least subject, was... subject for humour. Well, that was an interesting. Uh, one, they they did know, make a TV series of this a few years ago for for no apparent reason, and the yeah. premiere was delayed because of a school shooting, <laughs> and then delayed again because no, no, they did broadcast to... it. Oh, they did. Jeez, oh, I, I don't, um, I don't know if anybody watched it. I certainly didn't hear about it. I'm not hugely interested, but oh, yeah. Let let, let us not forget um, Waters' original ending. Now that is, I've read this, this is where he succeeded in blowing up the mm-hmm. school, and then the final scene is them all kind of in heaven, I believe. Now, I, I won't say that anything that the 1960s film Casino Royale did <laughs> is a thing you should not copy in your film, but my goodness, it's a start, it's a good guide point. It's a good way to think, now really, should I be going down this Starting route? with Don't Employ Peter Sellers, though, that's obviously easier now. <laughs> it, it is, it is. Um... Well, we should have to cover um, some Peter Sellers films at some point. Um, Great actor, yeah. horrible human being. Uh, yeah, I think that's the summary I've read somewhere too. Um, yeah, well, that's a, that's um, interesting. That um, uh, the, the well, the, so the ending was blowing them up. Uh, they all end up in heaven, which is a uh, oh, one of the things I do really like about Heather's is this ending. It really empowers Veronica, mm. um, and I love her. That last kind of sad moment, which should almost be, you know, with JD on the lawn, he's about to blow himself up. Um, and it almost should be his moment. This is where I'm going out with a bang. This is my moment of glory. But it's a, it's a bit pathetic for him. And he's tapping, the, you know, getting to the point of, oh, the time has stopped. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to fiddle with it and start it again. All the time, Veronica's just very coolly watching. Um, he blows up, which lights a cigarette. <laughs> and that's just, mm-hmm. it is a nice, that worked for me. That really did work. That, it's Veronica's ending. She doesn't get any bone shrapnel in any of it, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an uncomfortable ending. Well, she might have done, but the state she's in. Um, that ending I really do like because Veronica has really won there, um, uh, and and has become Veronica. That's the ending. Yeah, I was interested. Really, it was a very different ending as written because I think it really does work for me. Studio uh, interference, yay! It really <laughs> was studio interference this time. This was people at New World Pictures basically said that, that yeah, we'll finance it, but you've got to change that bit. Now, did they force the ending on them, or did he did he rewrite it? Uh, it's, rewrite I, it? I don't think anybody else got screenwriting credit, so I, I think I think okay. they they may have given some general, you know, this would be acceptable, that wouldn't be acceptable. Yeah, okay. uh, but but it is all written by Waters. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about the the comedy side of the black comedy. I mean, it really is very black. Uh, you know, the, well, oh, actually, there was one thing I wanted to touch on—a slight cognitive dissonance. And we briefly talked about this: is the moment when um, JD uh, shoots the two uh, jocks with blanks. And there are no consequences for him at all. It's mentioned that maybe he'll get suspended or something. He never does. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine that happening now. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was it was an interesting cognitive dissonance. Um, I wanted to talk about the humour. Does the humour work for you in this black comedy? Because you are a, a man who often reports himself as having no sense of humour. Mostly, yeah. I mean, as I say, there's, there is some punching down at the start, which, yes, I realise is there to show how nasty the Heathers are. Yes. Um which I'm not fond of, but apart from that, for the most part, yeah, it does. It does. Okay. I, mo- for- mostly, mostly, it is making fun of 
self-important people, people who have gotten themselves into positions of authority. Yes. Whether formal or otherwise. That is a type of humour we like in Britain, for sure. Um, uh, Going right back to Dad's Army and before that, I guess. Um, Yeah, it feels slightly on the nose for me, but it works for you as a comedy. Well, I think it's meant to be on the nose, that's the thing. Well, yes, and I agree. It's just for my taste, it's a bit too on the nose. How about the kind of the... Satire is a word that's used a lot, isn't it? Is it satirical? Is it just cynical? I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- th- yeah. things things like the most popular song in the country being Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It. <laughs> um, yes. of, of which we get some snips. Uh, um, it does feel really quite deeply cynical. I'm not yes. arguing with it. I'm, my, my general viewpoint it, it is It feels like an old, it, it's, a, it's a consistent cynicism, that's the thing. Yes, it, it, it's true. it's not you know uh, all these are rubbish, but this thing I've just discovered is great. It's everything has let me down, and I'm going to have to find a way for myself. Which is, let's face it, what everybody has to do. Yes, yeah, I would agree. I think that consistency of the cynicism really does it right through to the ending. Um, and yeah, the, the thing about what happened to JD's mother. Yes, yeah, um, that's a which is yes. both. Clearly, this is a reaction to his father being the way he is. Yes. And also may well have informed JD's personal psychoses. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I mean, not quite throwaway, but it's dealt with fairly lightly to mm. an extent. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's nicely plotted. It's certainly, I forget how long it was, but it certainly doesn't drag Heathers, you know, it, it, it rattles along at a pretty, uh, 103. Because the first, um, the first death is, um, like 20 or 30 minutes in, I wasn't quite sure it was going to go from there, but it just sort of escalates the body count. Even though I've seen it before, um, yeah, it was, it's, uh, yeah, I, it's a nice subversion. I'm not sure quite what it's trying to say. I suppose, if anything, I don't, and again, films don't have to be saying anything, but it does feel like, I feel like if you're going to undercut everything else, you perhaps should try and replace it with a message of your own, which seems to be, as you say, you've got to, Kind of find your own path through all the bullshit of everyone else, which uh, Veronica successfully does. And and nobody says that explicitly. It's just clearly that's what she's got to do. Yeah, yeah, and I and, and I, I, I like that. Yeah, I like the setup. As we said, we talked about. I like the setup of Veronica. Uh, she's clearly been through some stuff to get where she starts. Then she has to go through some stuff to get to where she really should be, where she's happy. Mm. I did feel it was a little. Uh, tacked on that she suddenly becomes best mates with the fat girl, frankly, um, who hasn't had much of a character or a personality in the, in the film, but. Yeah, I mean, maybe, was it, was it Betty, the one with the glasses? Oh yeah, Betty's in it, yeah, Betty was a more interesting character. It might have worked with her instead, I mean. Yes, yeah. yeah. But on the whole, uh, I, I mean, for me, I, I really like it. I appreciate a lot about it. It just doesn't quite connect to me. Fair enough. Which is why I don't, don't quite love it. But. Well, I do, but I, I will but, readily admit that it's not a perfect film. I, it's, it's where I feel my, my dark, cynical heart should be. And I really very much <laughs> appreciate wherever a lot of it's coming from. Um, so look, just... looking looking at reception, it was very mixed. Um, yeah, e- even the critics who liked it said it is morbid, it is nasty, it is cruel. Um, by the stand, presumably the standards of the day, um, it was a flop in the cinema. Uh, yes, New I'm not World surprised. Pictures was already going bankrupt. This didn't help. 
Oh, um, that's right. They've got Lord of the Rings to come. They'll be okay. Oh, that, but, was new so, line, that was New Line Cinema. Ooh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but later later in the year, uh, New World Video released it on VHS and Laserdisc. Uh, and it was a huge success there. Ah, the old thing trajectory, as we call it. Mm. So it became a cult classic. Um, yeah, uh, but, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, even immediately on its VHS Laserdisc release, it was starting to be very... It was almost immediately successful. I wonder whether it is okay, just that so a... You know, how how do you pitch a film to cinema audiences as a... Po- yeah. The okay, this comes into another thing I've been doing uh, for for a couple of years now. I've been watching watching a bunch of trailers as they come up on YouTube, yes. and um, get uh, just try to work out what what I think of the film from that. Yeah, and I think what what a film trailer tries to do, uh, it's mostly being shown to people who are already going to a cinema, at least traditionally. And I think what it's trying to do is is saying. This film falls into this, this, and that category, which are things yeah. you already like, therefore you will like it. Yes. And what I'm always after is, yeah, I've, I've seen a grunty macho hero blows things up film before. How is this one different from those other ones I've seen? Yes, and, 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 the, the, best, and the, film will... the best trailers show you that. Um, well, a lot of worst... trailers, I think, try to hide it. Uh, try to hide the difference. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. But I, I guess what you're coming to is, how would you pitch Heather's to an audience that has had 10 plus years of John Hughes and other comedies and just come into that one, uh, sorry, drama comedies, dramedies, or whatever you call it? How would they come into Heather's knowing what to expect? Or would you want hmm. them not to expect it? Um, would you want them to? Uh, well, I, I yeah. wonder whether that's people got a odd idea about it and therefore either didn't go to the cinema or did go to the cinema and didn't didn't uh, give good word of mouth. Yes, I think generally audiences don't really like a bait and switch. Now, whether this is deliberately that, I agree. It's, it would be very hard to see how you do it on a poster, really, to show uh, and, quite... And the posters... I mean, it's, it's had various posters in its DVD releases with the original theatrical poster. You know, here are these two kids holding each other in front of a blackboard there's nothing there to say, but this Quite is going to be a bit different. I mean, this is one of the. It works in the way because the because it is funny and because it's light, but it is one of the most dark and cynical films we've watched in a way. Mm-hmm. It just disguises it very well because <laughs> it's very bright. It's very eighties. It's. It's full of quips and one-liners, um, and that is hard to get across. Quite that you're going to be, yeah, I agree. I, it was probably that reaction that killed it off in the cinema. But but I, I think, particularly in in, in the late eighties, when buying a uh, even a VHS of a recent film was quite expensive. Yes. Uh, I think what you would get is people much more likely to look around a bit, you know, as opposed to you know, it's a Saturday afternoon, we'll go to the cinema. It's okay. There, there are you know sixteen thousand films in the video store. Yeah, I need to do a bit of research. You know, ask around, see what people are saying before I commit to this particular one. How did we research things back in the eighties <laughs> uh, when we didn't have the internet? Well, film magazines were a thing. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember what it was like going to video. I have a lot of memory of looking round at the the, the scraps left behind because we got there on a Saturday afternoon evening too late <laughs> and see what they. But yes, you're right. Buying a video cassette, that was like I think my mum bought the Terminator for us 
don't ask me why. Um, at that age, and, and that was fifty pounds, as I recall. That was well, that was in the eighties. I mean, nowadays mm. that's about eight thousand pounds, I believe. Um, <laughs> or three um, acorns. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see why it became a cult hit. Well, as you say, it, it seems to have been even too big to be a cult hit. It was something much bigger than that when it when it. Which is interesting when you consider, you know, it made stars of Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. It didn't do that for the director or the writer, did it? Daniel Waters and Michael Lehrman. I was looking into what they did after this. Um, the short answer is a, hand, a handful of, of not a lot. I mean, the only film I recognise that they both, I think Michael Lehman directed and Daniel Waters wrote Hudson Hawk, which is notoriously awful. I've never actually seen it. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's, it's not as awful as it's supposed to be. It's not completely awful. Okay. But, but it's pretty rubbish. That's, uh, I was going to say that's damning with faint praise. It's not even faint praise. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, for, for Lehman, we've got things like The Truth About Cats and Dogs and 40 Days yeah. and 40 Nights, the comedy about somebody who makes a promise to be celibate. Because, gosh, how, how difficult that would be. How, uh, growing up as a, as a geek in the 80s has no sympathy whatsoever for me. Uh, um, Waters was one of the three credited writers on Demolition Man, so, you know, that's something. That is, that is actually a very good film. It's interesting, though, that none of their future um, oeuvre, or is that egg? I always get that wrong. Um, none of their future productions have this kind of dark heart that Heather's did. It, it seems like a unique production from the two of them. Um, mm. and, and it's interesting. You would have thought they'd go on to sort of explore that more, but neither of them seem to. Um, perhaps they were burnt by the lack of success of Heather's. But as you say... I well, mean, it, I, I think eventually... also, while the studio obviously didn't lose money, I, I think the, uh, the the taint of it was a cinematic flop does does stick to a writer uh, and yes. a director. Um, even if they then made lots of money on, on the home media. Uh, yes, so... I mean, it, it hit Spielberg after 1942. Two, is it nineteen forty two? I always get the wrong year. Um but he, he managed to dig his way out of it pretty well. And generally what 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 I've seen when uh that, that happens to someone uh, a director or writer or whatever is they, they seem to do very conventional things for a bit, you know, very safe things. Yes. Which are often really quite dull. Yes. Just to try and show that they can make some money yes which and they never seem to quite come out of that um and i haven't seen all the films on their list but yeah there was nothing that stood out to me as, as notably spoken with critical acclaim mm-hmm. or particularly popular either um which is interesting um and i didn't know what to make of it really but as you say maybe they were just trying to redeem themselves except that heather's wasn't a complete disaster i, d- I don't think it's so much redeem themselves as show that they are marketable in a way that people who are trying to get a big budget film success yeah. will, will choose them for. Yes, I see what you mean, yes. Um, I mean, there was mooted a Heathers 2, mainly by Winona Ryder. I, I just can't so, so, see. So it but... is reported. It's not at all clear. Um, no, nobody's got a primary quote on that. No, okay. I mean, it does sound like a terrible, terrible idea, as many sequels do and should do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it stands in itself. Yeah, I, it's it's a unique film. I I really do feel that it, I, and I can see why you like it a lot. I certainly don't. I, I can see a lot of the redeeming qualities about it, and I, it's yeah. I I was surprised how black it was, which didn't strike me the first time. Whether I was um, 
uh, <laughs> overcome with the kind of superficial nature of it, but it really does undercut a lot of conventions. Um, and I suppose the ending, much more so than the written ending, is sort of conventional, but it it does it in a way that really doesn't compromise Veronica's character um, mm. and doesn't alleviate the kind of the darkness at the heart of the film, really. It, it, um, it, I, I it is much more an Aliens ending than, than a romantic comedy ending. Yes, yes. It doesn't... It. I'm trying to think of a, a film that we've seen that's quite as cynical as it and i can see the kubrick comparison because the other film that springs to mind that i've seen is dr strangelove um mm. which also in a similar way so maybe it is me doesn't quite work for me it almost does because peter sellers um was is phenomenal in it say what you like about mm. peter sellers himself but um but but the the character that works best for me is mandrake um the the mm. kind of hapless raf pilot uh that is a film that has a similar sort of depth of cynicism to it. Uh, I'm not sure many of the others we've covered do. So it really does stand out, this one. Um, if I, For me, if only I just kind of clicked with the humour a bit more, I think that's maybe what would make it for me. Uh, but I, I, do, I do think it's a unique and extremely interesting film, and I can see why it has endured because I've never quite seen anything. Well, that's the thing. I've seen a lot of things that look like it, mm. um, that, but not uh, but not had that kind of heart. Well, that, that's the other consideration when we're talking about masterpieces. Um, I, I see this as really quite ancestral to a, to a lot of uh, 90s uh, material and, and later. Okay. I, I mean... I. I I I, can't, I won't say that you wouldn't have had the craft without this, but oh, I yeah. think it would have looked very different. I I think it added a, a darkness and sort of broke the mould of the 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 eighties. Or, or ginger snaps. Yeah, or, you're right. Or chastity actually. bites, which nobody has seen, which is a shame because it's actually rather good. Or, or barely lethal. Um, many of these, which of which I've reviewed on my blog, go and watch it, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I I think it it, it is. I don't think people are directly copying this, but I, I think because this went all the way down the cynicism path, yes, other filmmakers felt free to go a bit of the way down the cynicism path now that they knew there weren't any monsters waiting to jump out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Actually, I, I was thinking maybe it wasn't quite so influential because I haven't seen anything like it. But you mentioned those kind of it went more down the high school horror, um, and I suppose the other film that does that would be something like Carrie, but it does it in a, a fairly plodding and quite po-faced way. Whereas this, it's kind of fun and awful. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and I, I, I don't I, know how much you, you feel this would have influenced Buffy, but I, th- I think there is at least some some link there. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I'm sure Joss Whedon saw this at, um, uh, and, and was influenced by it. I feel like he, for me, it works better. Um, and I suppose the other people I've referenced of my preferred kind of black comedy would be the Coen brothers. Uh, I don't, I don't think the Coen brothers were influenced by this because they had already done Blood Simple, which mm. has got all the features of Coen. But, um, it has, I was thinking, are there as, films as cynical? And I think the Coen brothers reach that, reach those kind of levels <laughs> as well. Just they come at it from a different angle. Um, 
But yeah, so as we were talking about, was it influential? I came into the podcast thinking, well, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like it. But you're right, things like Ginger Snaps, particularly um, Jennifer's Body, those kind of mm. teen yeah. horror films. Um, yeah, it, it's they, not that this is horror exactly. I mean, there's nothing no. supernatural happening here. Um, but I, well, all right, yeah, you can have horror without supernatural. That's not a fair comment. Um, but it, it's it's. Yeah. I, I think you're John Waters. You've basically got high school, and that's it. And it's it's a high school John story. Uh, yes. Whereas with this, it's a high school and psychopath story. Yes. Yeah. And, and from that point, you can have it's a high school and vampire story. It's a high school and whatever. Yes, and the high school is kind of the soap opera background to it. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. It was influential. I would, um, do you know, I, I thought, as I know we're, we're slightly wrapping up, but I just wanted to bring up something we almost didn't touch on that we did a bit. I thought this would be a slightly harder watch because of school shootings. Um, I, don't, I, I wasn't particularly troubled or disturbed by it, par- partly because it does show JD as initially cool, but actually... A psychopath. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel that just it a more competent one than your average school shooter. Just a more competent one. Um, uh, uh, it didn't particularly glamorise any of that. Um, it, it just sort of presents it in a funny way, but it doesn't. Um, it doesn't glamorise JD. In fact, it, it kind of he starts off cool and ends up, as I say, this kind of sad explosion where he's tapping the the timing to make sure it goes down and I thought that was quite so it didn't disturb me in a way that I thought it would given all the uh, I mean as we talked about with um uh with spree killings and uh, and other things it's sadly familiar to see high school shootings uh, now but it, it didn't disturb me in that context in a way that I thought it might mm-hmm. so is it a masterpiece I, I I'm guessing you're going with yes for me yes yeah uh I I think I'll take a slight step back from my own slightly <laughs> cold feelings about it and, and agree. I think it's unique. I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, and, but I do think it was influential, and I agree. We, we saw its DNA scattered throughout the 90s. Um, yeah, yeah the, 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 it, this is the example of why you don't want to be the first person to do the new and inventive thing. <laughs> exactly. Um and it was a nice reaction to you, Johnny. A little bit cruel on John Hughes in some ways, but it it was a good and interesting reaction to it. I'm very glad I watched it. I'm very glad I watched it again because I think I appreciated it more than mm. I did the first time I watched it. I think I was a bit wrong footed by it um the first time, which is I like I do appreciate films doing that, so I'm not I'm not gonna completely <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about it. But yeah. There we go. Heathers. We liked it. Um, you loved it. Uh, good. Um, I will watch it again probably at some point in my life. So there we go. That's pretty high praise. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not as if you know. I mean, you you could probably watch non-terrible films once each for the rest of your life and not repeat yourself. Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of them out there. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's pretty high praise. They have to be a good film for me to want to watch again, and I <laughs> I would like to. Um, well, there we are, Heather's. And with that, a farewell to the 80s. And we will return, well, very soon, uh, with our first um, alleged masterpiece of the new decade. I'd be willing to go half a day for a cheerleader. <laughs> that is a joke, all right. <laughs>